Most gracious <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. We glorify, we honor your name, and we thank you that you're so mindful of us that you want us to know how to win. Mm -hmm. We thank you that you've already given us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, but you've given us the Holy Spirit and the word and leaders so we can actually know how to defeat yes. the evil one in our lives. We thank you that when the enemy comes in, that like a flood, you lift up the standard mm -hmm. and your word is the standard. And so today we release your word to be the standard against every plot mm -hmm. and plan of, of the enemy. And we declare that we are victorious in you. We declare that our eyes are anointed to see, our ears are anointed to hear, our hearts are anointed to understand, and that we are a people who believe you and obey you. And we thank you for the turnaround for even the people as they make a decision today to do it your way. We declare we are overcomers and we prophesy that all of our partners will be preserved and come out with the victory in Jesus name. Jesus name. Amen. 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 I love Caleb. Amen. Caleb got good comments today. He said he is not giving away his cornbread. Right. I'm not giving, I'm not giving away my cornbread, right? right? <laughs> and, and, you know, and we try to teach. I know that a lot of times people are like, oh, my goodness, this is such a teaching ministry. Yes. But at the end of the day, hooping is not going to sustain you when this is over. Mm -hmm. when, the, when the enemy plays with your money, plays with your mind, plays with your health, plays with your family, you got to have more than a hoop. You, you got to have some word yes. that can anchor you. You. So if you, I want you to hear this guys. If you despise the word, you despise your own victory. You do. If you despise teaching, you despise your own yes. victory. Yes. Amen. And, and, and victory is what we've been called to. Yes. So this morning we want to talk about what do we need to do? What are some tools? And I always say it like that. What are some tools that we can put in our spiritual tool bag mm -hmm. so that when adversity comes, we are able to withstand. And here's yes. the thing. You need to hear me say this. Being a born again believer does not um, abdicate you of having life's troubles. Now, you know, I wrote that down. You, you are because you write it down. Right, because you, you got to say it like you say it. OK, how, how, how you say it. say it is this is that being a believer does not exempt you from life's challenges. It does not exempt you, you from life's challenges. You are not exempted from life's challenges. And I think a lot of people think that when they get born again, they're not supposed to have life challenges. But the Bible literally talks about in the Gospels, it gives an example. It says, look, there's two houses. It says, and a mm. storm came against both of those houses. Mm -hmm. It says, now one of those houses was built upon the sand. And when the storm came, it beat vehemently, it hard, <laughs> angrily against that house and that house failed. It says, but the other house, the same house faced the exact same storm, but it was built on a solid rock. And when the storms beat the same way, vehemently, aggressively, violently against that house, when the storm was over, it stood. So it tells me that it has nothing to do with the house and it tells me it has nothing to do with the storm. It has everything to do with what you're built on, what you're built on. So the question I want you guys to ask in the question in the comments today is what is your house built on? Yes, you're the house. You're the house. What are you built what on? What are you built on? Many of you, you're built on your job. You're built on your credit score. You're built on who you know. You're built on your bank account. You're built on your bank account. You're built on being a good person. But Pastor Ellen and I have learned, baby, if you want to have victory, 
You better be built on the word of God. You better be built on faith. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. That is what you need. And some of you, you need to do some excavation mm -hmm. because you need to dig. We, we were you watching. Dig a little deeper. We were watching um, HGTV mm -hmm. last night, right? And there were some people, they wanted to remodel their house. And yep. this is such a good example of believers. They wanted to fix the inside of their house. Yep. They wanted to update it and they wanted to make it pretty. But the problem is, so, and this was so crazy. They were willing to spend $150,000 $180, to make the inside of their house pretty. But when they found out they had a foundation problem. Causing the house to lean. To lean. They didn't want to invest the money to fix the foundation. Which was $50,000. And many of us, we are okay with having pretty stuff mm. with a shaky foundation. Mm. We're, we're, we're content with that. And then when the storm Come comes on. and the house gets to Come shaking on. and the house gets to turn yes. it over on all, and yes. then we like, why did God do this to me? No, boo. God did not God do did this not. to you. You not. chose to use your resources to make it pretty instead of powerful. Yeah. yeah. So, so you rather have the people look at you and think that everything oh. is right oh rather God. than make everything right. Come on. You, you'd rather have people to see the window dressing and admire you for, for, for being spiritual and for being deep rather than actually being spiritual and being deep. And, and the reality you of it, and the reality of it is, is we can only do that for so long. Because when we was watching the show last night, what did the person who was renovating say? He said, "Over time, what's going to happen? The house is going to keep leaning and leaning, and eventually it's going to fall. So you're going to spend hundred and eighty thousand dollars to update the inside of a house that in a few years is going to be laying flat. And and for many of you, you don't even realize that that's what's happening for you now. There's actually a scripture I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it says everything that will be that can be shaken will be shaken. And this is the season that we're in. And so some of you, you feel like God is doing you wrong, but really God is helping you see that you built your life on stuff that cannot sustain you. We say this to our kids all the time. We cannot stress this enough. Anything that is good in our life. It has been built on the foundation of the word. And anytime, especially in the beginning of our relationship, when we tried to build on something other than the yeah. word, that storm would come through yeah. and we would have debris and disarray and broken windows and all kind of stuff. So one day, listen, sometimes you just do something because it's the smart thing. Mm -hmm. You just do it because it's the smart thing. You say, listen, it may take me a little time. It may take me a little money in order to dig out this foundation and in order to fix this different stuff and and, and you got to be careful because years ago in the house we live in now our steps begin to separate from mm -hmm. the first door from mm -hmm. the front door right mm -hmm. and when they came to dig it up and they had to redo the steps the contractor told us he said the problem is is that when they did it they did it to look good, mm -hmm. but they didn't do it because it was good. They didn't pack the dirt. They didn't the pack the they dirt. Just put the filler in there and then built the steps around it. And a lot of you got a lot of filler, but you ain't got a lot of foundation. So you're looking good. You're looking good. But till the storm comes. Till the storm comes. As long as you're employed, you're looking good. As long as there's no health challenges, you're looking good. As long as everything with your kids is going fine, you're looking good. But the moment tragedy comes, the moment adversity comes, the moment trouble comes, then you're you're you're, you're literally breaking down like a like a bad foundation. You know what I think people need to know. I think
think people think we don't have trouble. No, and, and it was funny. I was thinking about this this morning as I was noting, I know we were going to teach this, and I was saying that people are going to be thinking, this is what I'm thinking in the bathroom, right? When I'm getting ready this morning, I said, people are going to say, well, that's easy for you to say because y'all don't have trouble. And I was thinking, no, we have trouble. We have some trouble that we don't even talk about with anybody else. But what we know is, is that it doesn't do good to talk about all the trouble we're having when we know who can fix the trouble. So we focus on the fixer rather than focusing on the problem. But yes, we have trouble. We have challenges. We have things that we call it a sucker punch. We have things that sucker punch us. Why? Because the Bible says it rains on who? The just as well as the unjust. So we're not exempt from life's troubles. We have have just learned over the years how to um, what we need to do to deal with them, which is what we want to talk to them about today. And when we have trouble, what we've learned to do is we don't pull away from the word. No, we run to. We run to the word. We run to fasting. We run to giving. Listen, you start playing with our money, we increase our seed. Absolutely. You if you 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 start acting like the word don't work, we increase our amount of time. And in I the think word. it's important to say to people, you know, I'm always thinking about how people are thinking. I know we. We do that, but we don't wait till we in trouble to do that. We don't wait till we in trouble. And I think that's the thing that people don't get. They hear, what, what people hear is, oh, Pastor Edward, Pastor Sean said when they need a financial blessing, they increase their giving. Yes, but we never stop the consistency of the giving that we're doing. It, it, it's not like we're not using God like a genie. We ain't trying to, 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 to rub on a, on a genie bottle and get God to jump up and do something special. It's your consistency. It's your consistency, because then when you're consistent, then when the Lord asks you to do something extra, then you do that. And I think that's important for people to understand that we're not waiting around for trouble to come and then trying to do something. We're literally learning. We've learned how to fight before the fight comes. We've learned how to fight. And here's the thing. When we're not in a fight, we're sparring. Yes. We're working on our skills. We're learning how to use this sword. We're learning how to use this word. Why? Because if you're in this life, you're going to have trouble. The You cannot create a trouble-free life. What you can create is a victory overcoming life. You can have a lot of testimonies of the victory. Amen. And it's funny because Ralph used your scripture on Wednesday. Uh, and I, I know it's in John, but he basically says it like this. He says, in this world, you're going to have John, trouble. baby. In John, he says, in this world, you're going to have what? Trouble. Trouble. He said, but don't worry about the trouble. Why? Because I've already overcome. And if, he, if Jesus has already overcome the trouble, if I find myself in Jesus, then I too have overcome the trouble. And let me tell you something else. That, that the, the other thing I've learned is that as we spend time intimately with God, mm-hmm. the Bible says he doesn't do anything unless he releases a word. Yep. He doesn't allow anything to be done unless he releases a word. We are literally facing some situations right now that the Lord gave us prophetic words. He didn't tell us the full details, right. but he gave us enough to anchor us. You got to learn how to understand that typically when God is giving you a word, like for some of you right now, you're like, I don't have any trouble. Good. This is the perfect time to hear this word this when you don't have any trouble. Tools in your toolbox. That's right. Nobody wants to try to fight 
Nobody wants to learn how to fight in the fight. In the fight. And so what happens is, is that when I do not learn that I'm going to have trouble and how to overcome trouble, and we see it so many times with believers, just the inconsistency, just the double-mindedness. Yeah. And I'm going to give you this one example. Literally, somebody will get blessed financially. God will do something exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. Bless them in a way that they couldn't even imagine being blessed. Two months later, they'll have trouble and they'll be like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Why? Because well, they don't trust well, the let's Lord. Let's just be honest. We see that in, 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 in only hit dogs holler, but we see that with partners. We see that with, with partners. We will spend a month, four weeks, and Raph will spend the same four weeks on, in Bible study. That's eight weeks of teaching at an hour and a half each on a particular subject. And, and partners won't join in because they're going through something. They they tired. They don't feel like it. And I don't want to hear all this. And then you going through and then you call and ask for assistance when literally the past eight weeks has been everything that you needed. It's why I tell people, listen, if things are going great for you, that's not the time to be skipping out on the word. You need to hear that word so that when you are going through, it's already in you. And so I and, think that's important. And it's very important because the truth of it is we're not motivational speakers. Nope. So we're here to grow you up. Yeah. We're not motivational speakers. That's not what so we I'm do. So I'm going to ask, what about the word we gave you the last eight weeks? And then you think I'm being rude because I'm not, help, I'm not running to your rescue. I'm saying to you, you got to participate in your own you rescue. You got to participate in your own and rescue. And we've been teaching for eight weeks on a particular topic and you've been skipping out and now you need that. All I can suggest is that you go back and listen to that word. Because I can't spoon feed you uh, out of every problem. You got to learn how to deal with these tough times. And that's what we want to talk about. This Baby, week. that's good. Y'all so, being blessed out there. Listen, if you mad, just hug yourself and keep watching. And people do get mad on this kind of teaching. But I, I encourage you that if you get mad, don't be mad at us. Be mad at the enemy. Be like, you know what? They right. I, and, and yes, it rubs me wrong. But I'm going to stay right here on this broadcast. In fact, I'm going to share it right now with some people. Because people need to hear how do I deal with tough times because tough times will come being a Christian doesn't exempt me from it. And the truth of it is the enemy wants you to get mad so you'll get off the broadcast so that he can punch you in the face tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You better say no, I'm going to learn how to grow up because some of you you've been walking with the Lord too long to still be so wishy-washy. The Bible says there ought to be a time where you ought to be teaching others but yet you still need to be taught. Now why? Because you won't stay here. You won't get consistent. You won't let this word grow you up. But we believe there's 105 people watching across the broadcast. We believe in the name of Jesus that all 105 people are, no matter where they are in their stage of life, they're growing up today. In fact, this is what we want they're you to do. Today. We want you to say, I'm anointed to receive yep. this word and I'm anointed to grow up. Yep. Come on. I'm come anointed on. to receive this word and I'm, and I'm anointed, anointed to, to grow, grow up. up. I'm going to grow up. Let me tell you something. There is nothing better in your life than having a situation in your life where the enemy been wearing you out. And all of a sudden it show up again yep. and you go, oh, that was a light affliction. Yep. You brushed yep. that off because you spent the time growing up. And listen, it is the set time for you to grow up because many of you, when God ought to be able to trust you to counsel people, you get on the phone and give them the same bad advice the world has given them. You give them the same carnal, I don't know what we go do. 
What you mean you don't know what we're going to do? We're going to believe God. That's, That's what we're going to do. Because it's all that there is to do to believe That's God. That's all it is. What you mean you don't know what we're going to do? <laughs> we're going to believe God. That's what we're going to do. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, That's what we're going to do. We're going to believe God. Amen. Amen. So, where you so, so, let's, so let's 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 get let's let's talk about this. Let's let's engage in this discussion about the seven steps or the seven keys to dealing with tough times. Because Amen. We all gonna have tough times. We all Amen. gonna have tough times. So one surefire way to survive tough times is by learning to build resiliency through the Word of God. And I want you to hear me when I say that. One surefire way of learning uh, to survive or to even thrive in tough times is by learning to build resiliency through the word of God. One of my early, um, in my Christian walk, one of my favorite scriptures was over in Jeremiah. And I think it's Jeremiah 17, like verse one through five. And basically I'm a paraphrase, but what it says is this. It says, listen, if you trust in yourself, it says, even when good comes, you won't be able to recognize it. But if you put your trust in God, even when bad comes, you won't be able to recognize. It. And so and when I read that scripture as a young believer, I thought to myself, my God, that's the key right there. The key is not what comes. It's who you trust in. It's who you trust. Because what's going to come is going to come to everybody. It's going to come to me. It's going to come to you. It's going to come to our virtual partners, our local partners, the people in America, the people in Africa. It's going to whatever the problem is. It's, there's, the Bible says there's nothing new. What? Under, under the sun. sun. So whatever problem I'm facing, other people have faced that same issue. The difference is where does your trust lie? He says, because if you put your trust in yourself, even when good comes, you won't see the good. He says, but if you put your trust in God, when bad comes, you won't see the bad. So it's about who I'm looking at. So whether or not mm. you are you are going to thrive, have everything to do with, uh, with our trust in who we're looking at. Whether you're facing a global or personal crisis or a mix of both, building resiliency through the word of God will help you effectively cope with all the stress that comes your way, with all the adversity that comes your way, and it will help you to enjoy the better days that God has for you. Amen. Because God has good days for us, even in the, God has good things for us, even in the midst of bad times. Even in the midst of bad times. And so I want to talk about this word resiliency real quick, because this word resilient, here's what it means. It is the capacity to recover quickly, quickly from difficulties. Quickly. In other words, I don't, I don't, I don't have something bad happen and it sets me back six months. I have to learn to build resiliency. And I tell people all the time, you don't, you don't build resiliency through self-effort. Resiliency comes through a trust and a belief in God. And as I build up my trust, as I build up my uh, understanding in my in my in my my revelation of who God is in my life, I become more resilient. So things that used to would knock me down five years ago, when I face them now, they're like you said, a light affliction. Light affliction. They don't bother me. Why? Because resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It is having toughness. I, I, I preached a whole message one time about being mentally tough. There are a lot of believers who are not tough. 
They no, are mentally. They're, they're, they're not. They're not. They're not. Tough. They're not tough mentally or spiritually. They're not tough. Why? Because they haven't taken the time to do what's next. Remember, we talked about iron sharpening iron. They've been taking their iron and hitting it against wood. When they need to be taking their problems and not trying to bang them against the world, they need to take their problems to God so that iron can sharpen iron. It also says, and it is the ability of a substance or an object, I'm going to include, or a person to, to do what? Spring back. To spring back into what? To shake. To shake. Spring back that means I get, I, something happens to me unexpectedly. I, I, I grieve about it. But but then I run back to God and God literally allows me to spring back into shape. I become the person I was before the tragedy. Yes. And there are better, 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 better. But 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 at a minimum, I don't I don't I don't I'm not worse off because of the tragedy. You do you know why people struggle to have resilience? Why is that? Because they believe their circumstances are special. Oh, you say this all the time. Say it the way you normally say it. You it's are what? You are special. You are special. But your circumstances are not. Mm. People struggle to be resilient because they allow the enemy to make them think you the only You're so person. Unique. You so unique. This has never happened to Ain't anybody. Ain't nobody never had this. And kind nobody's of gonna understand. And you. nobody's gonna and understand. They're trying to preach the word to you, but nobody's been where I've been. Baby, the Bible says Lies. nothing. New, new under, under the, the sun. sun. Lies. Lies. So you are special, but your circumstances are not. And understand Somebody ought to type that. Say, I'm special. I'm special. But my circumstances but are my not. But my circumstances are not. So what happens to you is that that really is a form of pride. Mm -hmm. It's a form of pride. And pride does what? It go goes before, before the, fall. the fall. So what happens is you go, that's easy. For example, people go, well, that's easy for you to say because you got a good marriage now. Except I know, listen, listen, I, we got a good marriage now, yeah. but we learned from somebody who had never had a bad mm -hmm. marriage. And what if we had said about the Brazeltons, they couldn't help us because right. they didn't know what we had right. been through. They be, Because they didn't know what we had been through, they could help us with the principles of what it took to turn it around. Yep. So what pride makes you say is they don't understand because they're not single. They don't understand because they're not a single parent. They don't understand because of this. They don't understand because of that. And then what happens is that the enemy gets you off little baby elephant by mm. yourself mm. so that he can bring destruction yep. on you. That's right. You need to understand if you're going to be resilient, somebody has to be able to teach you My something. God. Someone has to be able to teach yes. you something. You are not an exemption. You are just like the rest of us growing and becoming in the word of God. And if you grow and become, what will begin to happen is that what used to crush you, you will crush and then you will pull somebody up out of it. Absolutely. And Amen. that's why resiliency is so, so important. important. Be it's resilient. so important. People with resilience tend to have a higher tolerance for the emotional distress generated by hard times. Yes. When you find people who every time something, and, I don't, and I'm not trying to demean anything, right? But there are people who literally say, oh, I trust and I believe God. But the moment they get any bad news whatsoever, they like, I don't know what I'm going to do. We all believe God. But, but if you say you don't, you, you, you should believe God. But if you are, if you're, listen, let me say it like this. Actions. Actions demonstrate priorities. Your action demonstrates your priorities. If your action is when trouble comes, I don't know what I'm going to do. Your priority has not been Jesus. 
Your actions will demonstrate your priority. And so if I am responding, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I can look at your action and tell what your priority has been or what your priority has not been. And so it's important for us to do that in action. If I don't if, mm. if I don't take the action of, of, of building resiliency, what I'm doing is taking inaction. And here's what inaction does. Inaction breeds fear and doubt. Mm. So now when trouble comes, I'm afraid. I'm in I'm in fear. I'm in doubt about what God's going to do. That's Why? Because I haven't taken enough action to know what God's going to do. Mm. But when you know what God's going to do, ain't no trouble going to come and, and, and knock you off your horse, so to speak. Why? Because you know that even if you got knocked off before you hit the ground, God will pick you up. Come on. That's good. That was That's the good. attitude that Abraham had. He's like, look, this is my son. I've been believing for. I've raised this boy. He's 25 years old. But God says to take him up here and sacrifice him. All I know is I trust God enough that even if I take this knife and stab this boy and cut him into pieces, God going to raise him up again. Why? Abraham had built resiliency. He had built resiliency. And how do you build resiliency? Through the word of God. Amen. The more resilient you are, the better you're able to tolerate the feelings of stress, anxiety, and sadness that comes with trauma and adversity. And yes, we all experience trauma and we all experience diversity. You said it so eloquently. You are special. But you are unique. But your situation is not. It is not. Your situation is not. By building resiliency through the word of God, it will help you to maintain the positive outlook to face any uncertain futures with less fear and to get through even the darkest of days. I am not trying to tell anybody that there are things in your life that don't shake you. I'm not saying you should. That when, we, when I talked about the house, one house fell, one house stood, but both were shaken. The Bible says both were shaken. So, yes, there are some things that could happen to you that can shake you. But when you get through shaking, the resiliency is going to allow you to what? Spring back into shape. Because if the word is your anchor, if it's your anchor, you may sway, but you don't break. Even a ship, even naval ships, when they are anchored, the waves make them sway. But they don't tip over. They don't get off course. That's what we're saying to you. Let that word become your anchor. Psalm says it like this. You will be like a tree. Mm, planted. Plant you need to get many of you. You need to get planted mm. in the word mm -hmm. and in encounters with God for yourself. God. You need to get planted so you can stand in the day of adversity, mm -hmm. because the tr the question is not if you're going to have trouble. It's what you're going to do when trouble shows yes. up. The question is no, no, not. No. Say it again. It's, the question is not what? If you're going to have trouble, go ahead and type this in the comments. Say trouble will come. Trouble will come. You you need you need to know that. And people be like, well, I ain't gonna say that because that ain't faith. No, no, no. Listen, the Bible tells you that, that, that Jesus in, this, said. in this world you will have troubles. So trouble will come. But the other part of that, he says, I've already overcome them. So if I'm in him, then I can say trouble will come, but I'll overcome them. You know, it's one of the things you you know this that for years I've taught I've tried to teach our kids this. I, we've talked about this that in reality I study healing 
all the time. Yep. I study healing all the time. And I try to get people to study healing because the Bible says to take the word like medicine. So it to me, it's like if we take the word like vitamins, we don't need so many antibiotics. But so many people see it this way. They say, well, why do I need to study healing? I ain't, ain't nothing sick. wrong with me. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And then when something gets wrong with yes. them, when they get a diagnosis, yes. the only thing they have to anchor them is whatever the doctor said. And it's funny because, you know, during the and truth is, that's how you open the door to fear. It it's is how you open the door to doubt and unbelief because you haven't been doing the thing necessary to get you. It would be like me saying today, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. I haven't prepared for that. The, the running 26 miles would put doubt and fear in me. Why? Because I haven't prepared. But you know who it doesn't who, who, who it doesn't make afraid? People who prepare to run a marathon. People who prepare. So I see the word like the word is how I prepare. I don't know what necessarily is going to come, but I use the word to build up my spiritual immune system. Right. Mm -hmm. So that when trouble comes, my immune system begins to fight. Now, this is what you need to understand. This is what we're talking about. Spiritual resiliency, which looks different than natural resiliency. Right. So when I put the word on the inside of me, mm -hmm. let's just take healing, for example. And I begin to meditate on healing. By his stripes, we were healed. I am healed because of what Jesus did. Healing is the children's bread. He sent his word and healed him. When I begin to put that in me well before there is trouble, if I go to the doctor and get a bad diagnosis, or if I get a bad diagnosis about a friend or a family member, my emotions may be shaken, but that word begins to come back mm -hmm. up for me. And so, yeah, emotionally, I may be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. But the word will begin to preach to me and it will begin and see the problem for many of you is you don't have nothing in there to preach to you in trouble. Mm -hmm. You don't have anything rooting you because literally you have no regard for the word. You throw the word down. You treat, you don't treat the word like it's life. So then when life, you don't have a word about financial. You don't take God seriously. You don't take God seriously. Mm. And so you're wondering, Pastor Sean, Pastor Ellen, how do I keep get ending up here? You don't take God seriously. And when you get a little bit of a break, what you do is you go back to watching NCIS four hours a day. You go back to watching TikTok three hours a day and now you say you don't have time for the word but you literally spent seven hours doing stuff mm. that wasn't going to do anything but entertain you Absolutely. I'm not against those right, things right. I'm not against those things until you start to use them in a, in a way that works against you yes I'm not against them until they begin to, you begin to use them in a way that works against you but what we're going to do is we're going to grow up as believers we're going to plant this word in our heart right so that when trouble comes, see, I got this situation one time where it, it, it's when I had the miscarriage in between um, Caleb and, and Jordan. I had a miscarriage, but I had a word that I was going to have a daughter named Jordan. So I'm confused about how in the natural I'm having a miscarriage when the Lord told me I would have right. a daughter named Jordan. So I'm crying because when you go to the doctor and they tell you that your baby's yep. heart isn't beating, there's nothing they can do. I'm crying. I remember laying in the closet on the floor crying about it. And as I was crying, my spirit started preaching yep. to me. My spirit started are saying to me, who do, you believe? who do you believe? Whose report do you believe? I told you you would have a daughter named Jordan. This is not over. God is not done with you yet. And literally the Bible says the word, it will quicken your mortal body. So yes, my emotions, they were shaken. And now what begins to happen? Because you 
begin to think, oh, nobody else has had trauma. No, I just won't let trauma have me. Right. And so now what begins to happen is that the word begins to preach and the spirit begins to preach and they begin to stare me up on the inside. Now, now you got to understand what happens. So now what happens is, is that when you've never had a miscarriage before, you don't have any panic about being pregnant. Right. I don't know why I'm telling this, but somebody needs to hear this. Mm. You don't have any panic about being pregnant. Mm -hmm. The only panic you have with the first baby is how bad is it going to hurt right. to have labor? Right. But when you have had a miscarriage, then what happens is when I got pregnant with Jordan, the enemy tried to torment mm -hmm. me that what had happened to me before was going to happen to me again. But I did not wait until I got pregnant to begin to build my faith. In fact, I went to, this is what I literally said to the Lord, which is how we ended up with Canaan. I said to the Lord, listen, first of all, for me to have a miscarriage was illegal because I am a tither. tither. And you told me I that if I am a tither, you. that my fruit would not catch its vine before its time. So the enemy stole something from me that he should not have the right to steal to me. The Holy Spirit said to me, I told you this before yeah. I ever got pregnant with Jordan, yeah. didn't I tell you this? He's going to give me a daughter and then he's going to give me another daughter to make up for the pain because he gives you double for your trouble. You understand what I'm saying? So what happens is, is that now I begin to build my faith while I'm still getting rid of my body is still releasing the baby that seems like the lost promise. Mm -hmm. My friends think I'm crazy because my friends are saying to me, well, you can't name your next daughter Jordan because it, this baby passed. I said, the, but God told me I was going to have a daughter named Jordan. So if this baby didn't make it, that ain't what God said. See, some of you, when something don't work out the first time like what God said, what you do is cave in and quit and say God is a liar. But the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. That's why I got Jordan and Canaan today. But when I was pregnant, I'm sorry. When I was, when, hold on. But when I was pregnant with Jordan and the enemy kept trying to tell me I was going to miscarry instead of laying there being tormented I would open up my Bible and say I'm a tither don't you touch right. this baby That's you right. better not put your hands on this baby now see you don't understand the setup for that so now when Jordan is born and then she begins to go backwards mm -hmm. and she said and they say she's not going to talk here's what begins to the happen enemy creeps back in there the enemy tries through. to creep back in there but here's what happened see you had already played with Jordan when I had a miscarriage mm -hmm. you had already tried to torment me when I was pregnant. So now I was battle ready when mm -hmm. she wasn't talking. Mm -hmm. I was like, baby, let me tell you something. I've already seen Jordan talk. I've already seen Jordan preach the gospel. I am unbothered by what you're talking about. So people say to me, they say, did you emotionally, did you and Pastor Elwin emotionally ever feel anything when Jordan wasn't Absolutely. talking? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I was unbothered by my emotions because right. I already knew what God said. That's and right. I was so sure. I didn't know what God was going to do. I didn't know if he was going to give a new I didn't, brain. I didn't know, I didn't know what he was going to do. But all I knew is that the first God who had created or could recreate her if he needed to. Yep. And that's why Jordan is going into it into her junior year and that she is on class level uh, above in some areas excelling and talking every single day that is how you overcome tough taking times taking french too taking french too <laughs> that's how you overcome tough when times when she couldn't talk taking french too now that's how it over but i realized this I don't, and I'm, i don't think i've ever put it together like that before that the first strike was when I had the miscarriage yeah. because the enemy was like, "What am I? What can, what can I get you to move?" You just up? forget because we taught a whole series called "Built the Last," where we talked, where we taught about this, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's it's exactly right. You gotta. This is how you fight. You know, we don't have to get into all the notes today, 
This, well, we're this, not this, 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 but this, but this is the foundation right here. This is how you deal with tough times, but you don't deal with tough times waiting for tough times to come. You have to be prepared. We all go through bad times. We all face stress. We all face anxiety. We all face uncertainty. The difference is what is going to be your focus when those things come, because that's what's going to make the difference. And that doesn't mean, because I want you to hear this, that doesn't mean that there haven't been moments that we've been angry, right. that we haven't been angry, right. that we haven't been sad. What it means. But we become proficient at not staying there. We have become proficient at not staying yes. there. And I was thinking about this. Let me tell you how good God is, because whenever the enemy takes something from you, the Bible gives you double for your trouble. Yep. Now, so he gives us Jordan, yep. right? Because we thought we were through after chasing Caleb, Taylor mm -hmm. chasing Caleb. Then he gives us Jordan. He says, you're going to have a daughter named Jordan. And then he says, I'm going to give you double for your trouble, right? This is how strategic God is. We were in Vegas and Canaan was walking in front of us. And the Holy Spirit said, she carries the best of both of your anointings. Mm. He says, she is going to be more powerful then you and Edwin are together. What? Because the enemy, when he comes in, see, y'all been reading that scripture wrong. wrong. They taught y'all that the scripture says when the enemy comes in like a flood, wrong punctuation. When the enemy comes in, comma, comma like a flood, God lifts up a standard. And so you need to understand that we would not have even had Jordan or Canaan if I had allowed fear, I could have said, you know what? I miss God because that's what the enemy plays with you sometimes. You go after a job, you go after the house, you go after whatever, and it doesn't work out. And then what you say is, I miss God, or maybe God don't love me like he loved them, or maybe God didn't come through or whatever. And no, 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 you got to say, I heard a word from the Lord. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go back and I'm going to get in the word and I'm going to build up my spirit, man. And I'm going to train my soul. There has to become something on the inside of you that literally when the enemy. You know, I fell in love with you when the day that you told me that we that I realized you two stalked the stalker. No. <laughs> that, that's the day I fell in love with you. We're having this conversation. What do you do if someone's stalking you? And literally at the both time, we said, if someone's stalking us, we get in the bushes and stalk the stalker, right? There has to be something on the inside of you. So much word that when the enemy touches yeah. something that belongs to you, Daddy, you may immediately be sad. You may immediately be angry, but something on the inside of you, the word began to say, did he play with me like that? I used that? to call that a righteous indignation. A righteous indignation. How dare the enemy? How dare? Jesus done went to the cross. You Wait a minute. Jesus took 39 strikes mm. and you think you're going to put sickness on mm -hmm. me? Is you crazy? Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Jesus... They tormented him for me to have peace. And you think you're going to interrupt my sleep? Mm -mm. Not happening. You have got to get some. We, I, I just can. Can you release righteous resolve? Mm. Is that an anointing that people can receive? I believe, I believe it is. I mean, you look at what I, I think it comes as a part of the salvation package. 
I think that we have been trained in the world uh, not to understand it. But you look at it. Look, look at look at when every time the enemy showed up and tried to tempt Jesus or do something, Jesus didn't allow that. People paint Jesus almost in the same light they paint Martin Luther King Jr., <laughs> where he was this meek and docile person. That is not who Jesus was. It's Jesus not. was loving, but he was not meek and he was not docile. In, in the sense that we think of being yes. meek, you yes. know, we're like, like, oh, I ain't gonna do nothing. I ain't gonna say he, nothing. He did not allow uh, uh, things that did not align with what his father wanted to take place in his presence. So when he saw somebody sick, he's like, that ain't what my father would allow. Sickness, you got to go. When he saw death, that wasn't supposed to be there. He was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, dad, you, your sting is gone. So, so we have to understand, we have to learn, but you build righteous resolve when you build resiliency in his word. Come the on. word of God will build that in you, but you got to spend time in God's word. And you just, you got to be like, one of the things I love about David, David's probably my favorite person and my favorite man in the Bible. But one of the things I love about David is that the Bible says that David, when he was in charge of the sheep, mm-hmm. And the Bible says that when um, a bear came and got a sheep, that David ran the bear. If you read the story, it says he snatched the sheep out of the bear's mouth and he killed him and he did it again with the lion. So David teaches us that we run to battle. We don't withdraw from battle, right? So when G, when David gets ready to go and fight Goliath, right, and they're asking him what makes him qualified to fight Goliath, he says, listen, let me tell you about this bear. Let me tell you about this lion. But the other thing about David is that we learned that David didn't run to battle without a word from the Lord, right? right? right. So David has killed a lion. David has killed a bear. David kills Goliath. But even with all of David's skill, David never trusts his own self in battle. So when David faces Ziglag, he don't say, I'm a fighter. We mighty men. Let's go get him. Mount up. Let's do it. He does He literally asked for his ephod. He He, He literally asked for the spiritual thing first. Before he went out there in the natural, he asked for the spiritual thing first to get a word from God. Shall I pursue? Shall I pursue? And I believe with everything he meant, if the Lord had told him no, he wouldn't have pursued. He wouldn't have pursued. Now the people may have been mad at him. They may have talked about stoning him or whatever, but but he would not have pursued. But God gave him a word and said, yes, pursue, and you shall utterly recover all. You shall utterly recover all. My God. So one of the things that we do when we're building resiliency, right? When we're talking, when David gets the ephod, he grabs the ephod before he grabs his sword. Yes. He grabs the ephod before he grabs his sword. He, 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 He took care of the spiritual thing first. He goes to get instruction. What does that look like practically, Lord? I every time I get to a thousand dollars in my savings, something happened that throws me back. Every time we begin to build healthy relationships, something starts to throw me back. Every time we get, I, it gets good on my job, somebody starts acting a fool. What do you want me to do? And here's the problem for some people. Every time I get to $1,000, something happens and throws me back. Yes, but what do you do when you get thrown back? Do you stop tithing? Do you stop giving? Is, is that why the enemy keeps doing that to you? Because you haven't passed the test yet. 
And I'm mm, saying for so good. many people, you keep facing the same thing over and over and over, not because God's doing anything to you, but it's because you won't pass the test. If you pass the test, the enemy can't plague you with it anymore. It's why I tell people all the time, I don't care what, I don't care who it is and how good it sounds. And people talk about, you don't have to tithe anymore. We under new covenant, blah, blah, blah. All this new stuff they got coming out. You can't talk me out of tithe. You cannot. I have seen what God has done for my family and for my personal life in the life of this ministry because we've chosen to tithe. So if everybody in the world stopped doing it, I'm not going to stop. Why? Because I know what it took to pass the test. I know what it was like when I was failing the test. And now I know what it's like to pass. I know what it's like. So you need to understand this, guys. The enemy is not omnipresent. No. But he is a student of us. Yes. Right. So the reason some of you don't pass the test is because he knows every time he gets to point X, he can get you to respond a certain way. Now, I'm going to use a natural example for this. Everybody who knows Edwin Strickland on a personal level knows that he takes great joy in harassing the people that he loves. If I don't harass you, you got to question our relationship. He takes great <laughs> joy in harassing the people that he loves. And I can remember I spent years letting this dude work me all the way up. I am mad. And when I would get mad, he would fall on the floor and start laughing over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, years, years, probably 17 years of our marriage. Until you discover it, think it feels like. <laughs> he literally would poke and prod and push. And then one day I said enough. And I began to work on the mastery. And I began to purpose in my heart that I would not allow him to take me there. And I began to purpose in my heart. It used to be heart. a really short trip. It used to, was it a short trip? It was a very short it trip. Was a, do you see this? This is a natural <laughs> thing. That for you, it's a short trip. All the enemy got to do is do something to your kids. Mm. And now you're back cussing and mm -hmm. acting a fool. Come on. All the enemy got to do is play with your money a little bit. Mm. And now you stop tithing. All the enemy got to do is get someone on your job to say something crazy. And now you up there with a bad attitude instead of thanking God for the job that he gave you. Now, did you hear what he said to me? He said it used to be a short trip. I began to practice being able to master whatever he threw at me. And now it's so funny. We will be driving in the car and he will do something. And I literally won't even respond. Let's say she can't imagine you in grade school. He just like he is now. He's just bigger. He's just bigger. It's the same thing, right? And you will say to me, what happens now when you when I don't fall to put a trip? I, I, I compliment you. You say, oh, okay, good job. You say, good you job, Loki. Good job. You, go you didn't go for it. Some of you need to say, I don't care if I got to lay in the floor and cry. This time, I'm not going for it. I'm going to get some mastery. I'm going to stop being an easy mark for the enemy that literally anytime we get to X, all he got to do is Y and I'm back. Many of you, you get frustrated. You say you go live for the Lord. Then you get that something happened and you're back on social media cussing. You're back on, you're back drinking wine again. You're back smoking weed again. You're just an easy mark because you have a purpose 
to get skillful. You can't decide whether you're going to believe in sage or God. And because you haven't made the decision, then you don't know. You, you you keep going back and forth to the sage, or you keep going back and forth to the Holy Spirit, and you in, in the crystals, and and, and you so horoscope, and you so confused, and then you wonder why nothing works for you. And for people really in the South, people in the South really not gonna do no. People in the Bible not gonna do a bunch <laughs> of stuff with sage. But what you do is you go back from God being God to you being God, from God being God to you being God. You say what you want to say because you grown. You do what you want to do because you yeah. grown. You you move how you want to move because you grown. And what the enemy is just able to do is that no, he's not. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's just studying your previous behaviors, and he know how many of you can see right now how many times the enemy steals your joy by getting someone to say something crazy. The enemy does to us the same thing we do when we go fishing. We put something on the something. end of a hook. We throw it out there and see who gonna bite. That's what he does. He 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 figures out what you, people people who bass fish uh, uh, compared to the people who go deep sea fishing. They use different bait because they know different things like different things. He studies us, finds out what we like, and then he throws it out there and see if we'll bite. And if we don't bite on Monday, he's like, okay, that's cool. I catch him on Wednesday. He'll throw that same thing out there on Wednesday. And depending on what you've done between Monday and Wednesday, <laughs> whether you've been in your word, whether you've been doing things, whether you've been meditating, doing the right thing, it's how you respond on Wednesday as opposed to Monday. Now, really, we can wrap up with this because we're not going to get to our points no, today. No. But listen, this is a listen. Check this out. But they can come back next week. You need to come back next week. But I really want you to understand this because this will really help you understand why transformation is so important. And we'll talk about all seven of them. We'll talk about all seven of them. <laughs> but do you know how the enemy really gets you? He uses you against you. Yes. The Bible says you are drawn away yes. by the lust of your own flesh. I read it. I read it. I read this week. I read a translation. I don't remember the name of the translation. It said it. Hold on. It said it like this. It says you are led to destruction. By your own self-interest. Oh, that's how I said it. You are, you are led, led to, to destruction by, by your, your own self-interest. Self I was like, whoa. How do you feel when you read that? That literally the enemy, I was saying to you did today, I was saying, because I want to, I want to bridge this gap. When we say it's not the devil, it's the decision. Mm -hmm. It actually is the, devil it is the devil in your decision. In your decision. <laughs> because what he's doing. Because you're either being led by God or led by the devil. There is no in between. There is no, there's no. So, so what's happening is you're being led to destruction. So he knows that you still have anger burning underneath. Right, right. So he uses yes. your anger mm -hmm. against you. Yep. He knows that you still deal with insecurity. So he uses your insecurity against, against you. Yeah. He knows that you still are selfish. So he uses your selfishness against you. That's true. He literally looks at us and he says, I know if I do this. I can get Sean Strickland to react. Yep. And until I study myself enough with the Holy Ghost to begin to see how the enemy is getting really me, good. what ends up happening is that I keep ending up getting the same bruise yep. because experience, guys, experience is not the best teacher. No. The Holy Ghost is. Many of us. How In many fact, experience can be a poor teacher. 
How many of you have had the same experience and ain't nothing changed? Mm -hmm. You done had the same money problem. Mm -hmm. You done had the same man, woman problem. You done had the same job problem. You done had the same church problem and you still end up in the same place. Yep. Experience is not the best teacher. It's not. So the enemy, you got to That's why the Bible says when the Bible says don't be ignorant of Satan's devices, we've made that way too external. Mm -hmm. We like, I need to know. I need to watch them. They got the spirit of so-and-so on them. So -and -so you need to got, watch you. You need sis. to watch you. Right. Watch you, sis. Watch you, bro. Because what the enemy is doing is that he is studying you. Caleb is on it today. He's in full mode. He said <laughs> hard head makes soft behind, but the world will teach you without pain. The word wants That's to teach true. many of you. You got battle wounds and scars. You have trauma that you're mad at oh, God about. But you you invited that trauma in, and and, I, and you don't. When people don't want to deal with that part because they don't want to be self reflective, they don't want the pain of knowing that it was them, not somebody else. But you invited that pain in. When God told you no, but you had to do it or have it or go or whatever it was, you wanted it so bad, you usurped God's authority and you were led astray by your own self-interest. By your own I was talking to somebody the other day and they were upset because someone had broken their heart. So I just asked them some questions. Did the Lord tell you not to date the person? Yes, ma'am, the Lord told me not to date the person. Stop being mad at the person, stop being mad at God. Be mad at yourself for your own disobedience, mm -hmm. because what happened is, is you were led astray by your own self-interest and you thought that you could outdo and turn what God had already told you know about. And don't just be mad at yourself. Be mad enough to change. Be mad enough to change. Because just being mad at yourself ain't doing nothing. Are you mad enough to change so you don't have to be here again? I love what Chris said. What trauma can you avoid through your obedience? Everybody a put lot. that. Everybody put that in comments. <laughs> say I avoid a lot of trauma through obedience. What do I mean? Literally, God will say to you, "You will meet somebody," and God will say to you, "Do not date them." God will say to you, "That is not your friend." God will say to you at your job, do not tell them your business, but they're so cool. They're so funny. You so lonely. And now you get drawn into destruction. So you're so lonely. So the enemy uses your lonely against you. So he uses your lonely against <laughs> there you. It is. You end up with somebody playing with your emotions. Why? You end up with somebody hustling you out of your yeah. money because you, because you want to get rich quick scheme. You don't want to work on your mindset and learn how to have abundance, right? You end up in situations where your mouth gets you in trouble because you don't want to learn to, to, to study to be quiet. But we could learn, we could avoid a lot, a lot of, of trauma. trauma. There, you can you 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 really got to start purposing in your heart. I may take some blows, but I'm gonna stop inflicting myself with a lot of these blows. Yeah. Life that, may that's, that's, that's one key to dealing with tough times no. is don't create them. Don't create <laughs> don't tough create, times. Don't create more than what's gonna already be there. And can I just say this one thing? I would say it's my last closing, but I'm a preacher. We don't really know. It's our last one. Okay. That's what he said. It's our last one. <laughs> it's our last one. The challenge for a lot of us is we overestimate our smart. Mm -hmm. We think we are smarter than we are. We think we're smarter than God. We think we're smarter than the devil. We think we're smarter than the people we going up against. And then we get hurt and then we blame God, the devil and the people we going up against. It is arrogance. Romans 12 and three, it says, don't think more, more highly, highly of, of yourself, yourself than, than you, you ought, ought to. to. 
When you believe you are smarter than God, Pastor I would never say I'm smarter than God. Yes, you would. God says, Todd, you don't. You think you're smarter than God. God says, don't date that person. You do. You think you're smarter than God. Mm. God says, don't move to that city. You do. God says, don't leave that church. Do leave that church. Get up. Do this. Pray. And you don't. Anytime we are disobeying God, mm -hmm. we really believe we are smarter than God. My God. We really have the arrogance. Our flesh is arrogant enough to believe that we are smarter than God. Mm. You want to close the door to the enemy? Stop believing you smarter than God. Yeah. Become a person who quickly obeys. I find out what God says and I do that quickly, even when it don't make sense. Even when you think I'm crazy, because the truth of it is almost everybody we know thought we was crazy when we was believing God for Jordan yeah, to talk. Absolutely. Almost every every counselor, yeah. our neighbors, people who were so-called friends, everybody. Probably almost, people who never said anything. We didn't even know they would, but they, but they, were, they thought we was crazy. They just didn't say it to us and we didn't know it. But we didn't care what people thought because we know what God had said. Because we knew what God had said. And today we get to live in the fruit of what God said mm -hmm. because we were quick to obey. Mm -hmm. Some of you, if you would live in the fruit, in 30 days, your life would be better. I'm going to live in the fruit. In 90 days, your life would be I'm gonna better. I'm going to live in the fruit. A year from now, you wouldn't even recognize your life because you would just say, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what God told me to do. I've gone my own way. I've tried it my own way. I keep bumping my head. I keep getting disappointed. I am going to do it God's way. Yeah. See, that's yeah. what it is. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a great segue. Listen, come back next week. OK, we're going to get into the actual seven steps. We go, if you haven't um, read it before, you can get prepared for next week. Read Psalms 37. Psalm 37. Read Psalms 37, about the first 13 verses. Uh, that's where next week's teaching is going to come from. It's going to come from Psalms 37. We're going to give you the seven ways in which you need to learn to deal with tough times, because as we said, tough times are going to come. Tough times are going to happen, but it doesn't. But they don't have to have you. And I love how you said that. Tough times will come, but we don't. Tough times don't have to have to ruin us. They don't have to destroy us. God's given us the keys to navigate tough times. Number one, He says He's already overcome all of them. And so, if He's already overcome all of them, we in Him, then absolutely we can overcome. Even now, I hear the Lord saying that there are some of you who carry trauma from things that people have done to you in the past. And if you would forgive the person, the trauma couldn't stay attached to you. Mm. Right now, if you would make a choice to forgive the person, the trauma couldn't stay attached to you. But Pastor Sean, they didn't ask for forgiveness. If you want to be free. Do you want to be free? <laughs> do you want to be, be free? They haven't changed. Do you want to be right. free? They if haven't you, said they sorry yet. If do you want to be <laughs> do free? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be free or do you want to be right? Because in your rightness, you're wrong because you're tormented. Or do you want to be free or do you want to keep being traumatized? Do you want to keep being traumatized? You choose to forgive. Some of you, you could get free if you stop rehearsing the story. Every time something doesn't go right in your life, you go back and you tell that same story. You go back and you talk about what your mama didn't do, what your daddy didn't do, what your ex-husband didn't do, how you so, so broke your heart, how they treated you on the job. Do you want to be free 
Or do you just want to stay in that place? So those and the are the same thing is true where people finances are concerned. Mm -hmm. We've been, you know, we've been talking to a lot of partners lately who 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 are beginning to struggle. And one of the common things we see is we've been saying to them, are, are you tithing? And they kind of pause and go, Well, I, I, I stopped about three weeks ago, or I just started two weeks ago. You gotta be consistent with that. You get, I mean, I don't know how else to say it, that if you don't do the things the Bible requires, I can't just pray for you enough to usurp God's kingdom. I, I, I just can't do it. And we said before that God loves you, but he doesn't love you so much that he's going to overturn the entire kingdom just for you. So, so yes, you need to forgive. You, you need to obey and, and, and you need to be consistent in all of those. And so, you know, this morning, uh, if you if, if you one of the people who and you know, you like, you know what? My finances are always up and down. Check your giving. And I don't mean just your giving because you said it earlier. What did you say? You got to be a what? You got to be a tither first before you can say that you are a giver. Let me tell you something. If you call yourself a giver and you don't tithe, let me tell you what this is like. It is like I owe him $500. Mm -hmm. I owe Strick $500. And then I bless Everett and Leslie and Trinika and Jessica and Chris all with $100 each. And I say I'm a giver. No, I'm a robber. Right. I'm a robber. You because I didn't actually give anything. What I did was stole something and then called myself a giver. Yes. And so there are multiple ways in which you can give. Uh, and I encourage you to do it quickly because a lot of times the enemy are trying to talk you out of it. Uh, but you can give through Giveify, uh, Push Pay, Tidly. You can even text to give 833, and you'll be glad to know that more people are using that. Ah, uh, uh, text to give. <laughs> I said we're trying to get rid of text to give. I was like, hold on, keep text to give. So more people are using text to give. You can text to you can text the number 833. 969-0897 and you text the word give and uh, once you do it it's set up so that you don't have to go through the process each time uh, but the first time there is a little process you go through and then also you can give through PayPal uh, FOC Church NWA at gmail.com I encourage you guys to be tithers because I know that there are so many benefits with tithing that go beyond money they go beyond money. They go beyond just, just material things. But if you won't trust God where your money is concerned, the Bible says this, if you won't, if you won't be faithful over that which is another man's, how can God give you that which is your own? He then says, and if you won't be faithful over the little, how can I make you ruler over the much? And so God really sees that tithing as a basic level obedient kind of thing. So we encourage you to. I love what Trinika says. She says, I love the auto draft option. I want to do something because there are some of you and I see the comments where you're saying early on, people were saying, you know what? I haven't been a tither, different things like this. I want to tie something together. I want us to get to the point. It's one of the things I loved about the old church. In the old church, it would say, if you're backslidden, come home. Yeah. Backslidden don't mean you was out prostitute. Right. Backslidden means you not going in the way God told you to go. Or especially you're not going the way God told you to go when you were before. When you were before or when you know to you do know what to you do. don't do. And this is so important. There's a scripture. Jesus actually gives the scripture. The scripture says that when you, you know, know to do and you don't do, you are, you are beat with, with many me. strikes. Some of you got to ask yourself, man, is some of this abuse I'm taking because I know what to do, but I won't do it? Is it self-induced trauma? Is it self-induced trauma? 
because I keep disobeying God, oh God. and I won't come under the protection of God because I want to be very clear. God isn't doing this no, to you, but there literally are two paths. Yep. If I obey God, I live under life and blessing. Yep. If I obey myself or the devil, I live under the curse and destruction. Mm -hmm. God wants everybody to live under the blessing. Yes. He wants everybody to choose life, but he won't force you. And some of you, I love that Katrina said it. Come on. She said, Katrina said it. She said, I know it's me. Let me come on home. Some and I, I appreciate you being bold enough yeah. because I think the truth of it is we'll be bold enough. It's easy to hide here. It's, it's easy, easy to, to hide. hide to come on the broadcast to type the right words and then not to do. But when you declare it and say, you know what, I, here's where I am and here's how I'm changing. Who else needs to come home? Who else needs to come back to the Lord? You didn't go out and start burning sage. You didn't go out and say that somebody else was your God. But as you sit here and listen, you go, you've been living as though you were your own God. Mm. And your heart is being pricked today to come home. Because at the end of the day, all of the blessings and all of the stuff we talk about, if you choose disobedience, they don't come in your life. Come on, Yolanda. And, and we, only that we, do, got, we only do this so you can come home. So you can come home. I want you to purpose in your heart. That's two people. I believe I believe it's at least six of you. That's three people. You're, they're coming home. Four people. Praise I God. believe it's at least six, Praise five God. people coming home. Praise and God. I believe it's a couple of men too. And men, you need to get bold and say, I'm coming home. Yes. Listen, come on home. Yeah. Come home. I want you to begin to pray in the spirit. And I want you to purpose in your heart. This is the last time I'm leaving home. Yep. I left. I'm not leaving anymore. Yep. I'm coming home to stay. It may get difficult. It may get tough, but I am coming, I'm coming home. home. I'm staying home. I'm coming home. Jim says she came back last week and I'm thankful today's teaching to help me stay. Sit. We, what we up is six, seven people who said I'm coming home. We're going to pray. Robert, I knew it was a man. I'm telling you, he's not the only man. He's not the only man. Man, you need to get some boldness. Don't let the enemy make you think that you a punk by saying you're choosing God. No, you're a punk for not choosing yeah, God. Yeah, and part of part of coming well, home, part of coming home is making the decision that I'm not going to get so distracted by everything else that I put the word last. Yes, Terrence Davenport said he coming home. All Come right, on, T. good job, T. We love you so much. Now I want to pray. I we want to pray over you, and what I'm praying for you this time is for fortitude. For a rod of steel yes. to be in your back, that you would make a decision that you will die believing God. Yes. You're never leaving again. Leaving. You're not. never leaving again. So we pray. And I, if you made a decision to come home, somebody can put it in the comments. We can type it. But here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, Father God, I am coming home because there is no other place to be. I repent mm. for going my own way. Mm -hmm. I repent mm -hmm. for thinking I knew best. Yes. I repent yep. for arrogance. Yep. I repent for allowing lust and my flesh to be my God. Mm -hmm. I repent for not submitting to you. Yep. Holy Spirit. Fill me up yes. because I want to live in the house of God. Mm -hmm. I want to live in victory mm -hmm. and I want to live in freedom. Yes. 
Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me. Ooh, glory God. I need you to teach me because I'm tired yeah, of going yeah. my own way. I am tired of going my own way. And I need you to heal me from all the bruises and wounds I got from going my own way. Today, I am making a public declaration. My life belongs to God. My life belongs to I am home. I am home. Jesus is Lord of my life. I am home. I need everybody to put in the comments. Jesus is, I am home. Jesus is Lord of my life. Yes, you can sow through the stars if you want to, George. Absolutely. Jesus is Lord of my life. Many of you, you've allowed Jesus to be Savior, but today you're making a decision to allow Jesus to be Lord. He is the Lord of your life. You're giving him permission to instruct you. You're giving him permission to direct you, to correct you. Come on, Katina. Katrina. I keep saying Katina because I got a Katina too. Come on, Katrina. I'm home. She says, Jesus is Lord. I'm home. We love, God is so thankful. He's so, the Bible says when people are born again and when people come home, angels rejoice. Every believer in these comments, you ought to be giving hearts. You ought to be rejoicing because people have come home. And if I'm not mistaken, we had at least eight people today who made a decision to rededicate their life, who made a decision to come home. Now, there are some things you're going to have to do differently. There are some people you're going to have to put down. There are some separation you're going to have to create. There are some ways you're going to have to reprioritize. Guys, don't see that as a loss. No, that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. Because God is setting you up for victory. And sometimes you have to say to yourself, because it can feel like a loss, you have to say to yourself, God's not a taker. God is not a taker. I remind myself all the time when things, when I, when I, when I lose people or, or opportunity or different things go in and out of my life, I just remind myself, no matter how I may feel about it, God's not a taker. God is not a taker. I can feel sad, but I remind myself, God's not a taker. So if that so if this thing is gone, if this person is gone, I, I, I allow myself to feel how I feel about it. But I remind myself, God's not a taker. And when I remind myself that God's not a taker, it makes me feel something different. OK, listen, I just got this word and this is you. I want you to send me a message. You don't even have to say it publicly. There is a young lady out there. It may be two. And you are interested in a young man who seems to be interested in you. And by young, I don't mean that y'all like 20 or something. You could be 40, 50, whatever. Right. And you're asking if he is the one and you will know that he is the one because he will honor your standard. The Lord just said that mm. you will know he is the one because he will honor your standard. If he attempts to get you to come off of your standard, you already know. Mm. If that's you send mm. me a message and I'll pray for that right there. All right. Listen, which tells on. me that they have a standard. They have a standard. So you got to have a standard. Right. And then you got to not be afraid to put your standard out there. Yep. And if he is it, he will honor your standard, even if he doesn't understand. Mm. Even if he doesn't understand your standard, he is going to honor. Mm. So All right. there we go. Take that. All right, listen, something supernatural happens when you give. You gave your life back to the Lord today, so something supernatural is going to happen in your life. Now bring your money to the Lord. 
bring your increase to the Lord. Come on, listen. Why? Because he says to tithe off of all of your increase. Whatever you bring to Lord to the Lord, he will multiply and cause it to come back to you. You know, we got some dynamic services coming up this week. We got strategies for success tomorrow at noon with me. Um, check it out. I'm going to be talking about the four things that will cause you to walk in total life prosperity. Mm -hmm. You're going to be tremendously blessed by that. On Tuesday, we have prayer. Something supernatural happens to when we pray. I want some of you to begin to purpose to come to prayer. You don't ever come to prayer. You need to start coming to That's prayer. That's part of being no, home. No, I'm calling you That's out. You need to home. come to come prayer. To pray. Number three, on Wednesday night, we have Bible study. Pastor Ralph has been teaching. He's been teaching us about praise. It started last Sunday with I remember. Those of you who have trouble staying in a state of thanksgiving, staying in a state of gratefulness, you need to listen to last Sunday's message and you need to come to church on Wednesday night. On Thursday, Ignite is for our kids. You need to get your kids involved in Ignite. Why? Because your kids need to know how to believe God too. Amen. And Victory Zone is on demand. Get your babies. You need to hear me, guys. It is not enough for your kids to be good people. Mm -hmm. It is not enough for your kids to be good people. Your kids need to be taught how to hear from God. Because the one thing is that when you teach your kids to hear from God, even if they're not obeying, you know they can hear. Mm -hmm. And if they hear long enough, they're going to come back and return to what God said. Then on Saturday, on Friday at 6.30 a.m., join us for Champions of Circle Prayer. Something supernatural happens when we pray. Saturday, you take the day off. Sunday, you come back at 9 with Chris and Valley, and then with us at 9.30. But listen, we're going to be fasting again this week yep. till noon. Til noon. We are fasting, but we are expanding our fast. We thank God for everything that God is doing for Brother Rod, but we need to start pushing back against COVID totally. Right. So we're still not eating till noon. And we want you the things we've been praying for Pat, for Brother Rod. We want you praying them for COVID for everybody. Anybody, you know, in the timeline, we're going to put the prayer back up, put it on your page because so many people are gripped with fear. So many people don't know what to do once they've been diagnosed or a loved one has been diagnosed. And we're going to stand against this. We believe. God. We believe God to preserve people, to heal people, to deliver people, and to protect people. And lastly, we want to encourage you to be safe. Wear your mask when you go out. I think you should be vaccinated. You should be vaccinated. But if you're not, can you please wear your mask? Can you please follow the CDC guidelines? We pray over our children, not just the Arkansas children. We pray yes. over all of nationwide. our children, nationwide, worldwide. We release supernatural protection and immunity over them. Encourage your kids to wear their mask and to stay safe. And we just bless you. And we believe God for a turnaround in your life so that you will know and see God's goodness in your life for yourself. Amen. Listen, y'all be safe. Again, praying for all of our teachers and administrators, bus drivers, everybody who's going to be in close contact with kids who uh, may not even be at the age they can be vaccinated. Uh, so we're just praying for everybody to have a safe return to school. Do your absolute best. Don't be in fear, but use wisdom. I tell people all the time, you can believe in God and science. Amen. All right. Love you guys so much. Y'all have a great week. Somebody already messaged and said they was the woman. Amen. Well, Amen. Praise God. praise God. They obedient then. Keep your standards, sis. Keep your standards, sis. <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll see y'all this week. We love y'all. Have an amazing week. Obey God. Obey God. Obey God. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.